Hi, everybody. I'm very excited today, not only because it's the first episode of Romancing the Tome, but because I spoke to USA Today bestselling author Heather McCollum. She was a fantastic first guest, and we talked about a little bit of everything, including Scottish heroes, women's health, and how we handle our family reading our books. So here it is. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Romancing the Tome, the podcast where I speak with our favorite romance novelists and ask them about their stories and their craft and the books that they can't put down at night. I'm your host, historical romance writer Margot Thorne. Thanks for joining me. Well, hello, everybody. I am here with Heather McCollum, um, USA Today bestselling author of Scottish Romance. So Heather, thank you so, so, so much for being here. Hi, everybody. Um, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, you were one of the people that a lot of my readers had talked to me about saying, oh, if you would talk to Heather, that would be great. Because I don't know, you just have a really good following, a lot of, a lot of good readers out there. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, you all just made my day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I guess the logical thing to do would to be start at the beginning. Um, so I guess a lot of people out there probably, you know, here's what surprised me the most about you when I was reading a lot of your bio was that you didn't grow up wanting to be a writer like it wasn't on your on your to do list. No. Well, let's see. In second grade. I wrote a Christmas story that got put into the newspaper because my teacher was impressed that I used the word tiptoed. Um, <laughs> and so that's when, you know, I started thinking, oh, well, maybe I could write stories. But the older I got and as I moved into high school, um, I found that I didn't like people telling me how to write. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so you know, in English classes, they would say, write like so-and-so or write like, and I, I didn't like to do that. So when I was going to college, I decided to major in biology and totally my English teacher was quite uh, perplexed at that. <laughs> uh, and in fact, my English teacher in college was also perplexed at my, um, because I had to take some English courses as right. part of my biology degree. And um, of course, I loved them and wrote, you know, you know, very creative stories and this and that. And my English professor was like, why are you not an English major? And I'm like, because I don't like you telling me how to write. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, how amazing to hear that from an English professor. I mean, I'm sure most of us would have killed to have our English professors say that to us. So that, that's really cool. Um, and what is it about? What was it about biology that drew you? Because like that is that's on the other end of the spectrum there. It sort of is. Yes. Um, well, I, you know, I just, I love the professors in, I was in a small college on the coast of Maine and we were marine biology and I love my professors and I loved, you know, I wanted to, you know, I don't know, swim with dolphins, which by the <laughs> way, you cannot do in Maine. Um, <laughs> So I studied things more like oysters and clams and <clears throat> things like that and slowly switched over to cellular biology and cellular immunology because I just found it fascinating how yeah. 
um, all the, you know, all that science stuff. And, and I actually went to grad school for cellular immunology down here in North Carolina. Okay. Um, But about a year and a half into it, which I must point out that I did have all A's at the time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to point that out. Very important. (laughs) About a year and a half into it, I just decided I don't want to work in a lab and I don't want to do this. And I was on a PhD track, so I would have been another four and a half years doing what I was doing. So I left the school and started working for a drug development company. But each night I would come home and write on a story that I had percolating in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's sort of when I actually started writing my first book. Okay. And how long did that take you? Oh, probably off and on for a couple of years. Um, It ended up being Captured Heart, uh, my first published book. And um, it was a monstrosity when I (laughs) I finished it. It was like twice as long as it should have been and all this stuff. But it it was my, you know, I was cutting my teeth on it. And you um, have that book. Like, I don't know any writer that doesn't have that book, you know, right, right, right. yeah, wrote all in there, and my mother still has a printout of it. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yes. Um, so, anyways, it was, but I stayed in drug development for about fourteen years. Um, oh wow, yeah, and then it became too expensive for childcare after I had my third child, and my husband. We were at a point where he says, "Why don't you just try to write full time at home?" Mm-hmm. And that's when I was able to finally um, devote a, a large chunk of time uh, to writing. Even while you had the three babies at home? Because that's well, not a lot of yeah. time, even that. Yeah. Right. Well, two were in school, in like elementary school, and the third one came along. And so, yeah, it was it was still really hard to juggle that. But yeah. at least I was, you know, in with my computer. I didn't have to steal 15 minutes. Well, I still had to steal 15 yeah. minutes here and there. But... <laughs> I didn't have someone looking over my shoulder wondering where those, you know, lab reports were. Exactly. Exactly. And well, was it always romance for you? I mean, is that, I mean, did you ever try writing something else or is that just what struck your fancy right away? Well, that's what I read. And I grew up reading that um, from probably high school, maybe middle school on. Mm -hmm. And um, I just love... I love love stories and I love the fact that there's a happy ending. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who I can't, I can't handle like tragedies. I don't like to watch <laughs> movies that are tragedies. I don't, you know, and also, you know, in one of my books, you will never have an animal killed or a baby killed or, right. you know, I just can't handle that. And um, Yes. If a dog dies, I may get up and walk out of a theater. So, <laughs> Well, I think that is that is the thing with people. I mean, a lot they can take a lot on TV, but an animal, a dog or a cat, that is a no-go. Yes. I would say for 99% of people. When I, funny story, when I uh, was pitching Captured Heart to my agent, who I've had for 12 years now, Kevin Lyon, um, she stopped me mid pitch when I talked about the wolf that's in the book. That's so important. She says, does it die? And I said, no. And she says, good, continue. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She is such an animal lover that she would not represent a book where the animal gets killed. 
Well, that's really interesting. You know what? That's good for all the writers that are listening, you know, yeah. right now. Like, don't even think about it. Don't even don't go there. that to her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And wait, can we go back? So is it true, though, that your grandmother gave you the first romance novel to read? It was actually my my step-grandmother, yes. And she okay. did. She passed on a Kathleen E. Woodwist book, The Flame and the Flower. Okay. And yep. it was because maybe she passed it to me because the heroine's name is Heather. That's my real name. Okay. And, um, and come to find out, which is so funny, that Captain Brandon is the hero. And I actually, in real life, married Brayden. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> now, we didn't know that at the time. I was in right. high school. I think I was ninth grade. But uh, that was the first book I read. And it was for a long time until I found Julie Garwood. Um, that was my favorite book. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can talk about Julie Garwood all day because she was my gateway drug uh, into romance. Like mm-hmm. my, you know, see, here's the difference between your situation, and my situation. Your grandma actually like, looks like she talked to you about it. She gave you the book. You know, it was very hush hush in my house. Like grandma read those books, <laughs> mom read those books, but we didn't talk about it. And if I was going to read it, I had to steal it out of her room in the middle oh of the God. night. You know, and I would hide them. I would hide them because I, you know, I, I don't, I don't even know why I can't explain why, but, but you said your mom has a copy of your first book. I won't let my mom read my books. She wants to know my pen name so bad. I won't give it. Cause I just don't, it just seems like <laughs> I can't do it. I don't know. So good for you guys. Oh, uh, well, I don't know if she reads them anymore. Um, yeah. I think she collects them, but I tell her which chapter she might want to just skim over. Oh, okay. See, there you go. But yeah. you, have, you have daughters, don't you? Do you have two daughters? Yes. And they won't read them either okay. Um, okay. because of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was watching something or reading it. I don't know what it was, but it was this, these two boys, these sons, these grown men who found out that their dad actually wrote romance novels. Uh-huh. And then they created a show or a podcast or something where they read them. They read them chapter by chapter. Oh my God. And they just make fun of it. I, and I'm just like, oh my God, I've got two boys. That sounds like exactly what they'll do one day. And I'm like so nervous about it. But it's funny because some of my daughters and my sons, some of their friends read my books. See? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And how do you handle that? Like, how does, I mean, what can you do, right? Oh, uh, yeah. What can you do? I, I write under my real name and yeah. Um, I'm not, I mean, I don't write, I say on a scale of one to 10 with one being like sweet romance. Mm-hmm where there's maybe a kiss and 10 being erotic romance, I probably write it about, I'd say a seven. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. But it's not, I mean, I tell people you should be over 18 mm-hmm. um, to read, to read my books, but um, you know, that doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was I'm a 16 year old. Well, and so your last name, okay, if you write under your real name, so McCullough, is that, so are you Scottish, I guess my question is, or is that your husband's last name? Or it's how my that husband's work? last name, McCullum. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It was came from, um, I think, we're Clan McCallum or from Malcolm, that sort of branch is where McCullum sort of spun off. Okay. Um, so he has a Scottish background and actually... Um, he's more English than Scottish because his mother was born and raised in outside of London. Oh, um, wow. okay. But um, I am, you know, I am not, I am not Scottish. I just sort of, you know, adopted it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And 
did you, I mean, I assume you adopted it, the love of it before you met him or? Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Because I read Julie Gar was the secret. Oh yeah. It was her, her, all her Scottish historicals. I love them. I think the secret's my favorite of her Scottish ones. God, I love that. My favorite. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people, well, people love the bride. They mm-hmm. love the bride. And I, you know, I like I like I love the bride. But the secret, the secret's wonderful. Yeah, the dialogue is just so snappy and yeah. that's, what I, that's what I wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Especially and, and I can see the the comparisons between you two because you offer a lot of history in your books. Like you're very detail-oriented. And especially in that book, The Secret she does a great job of talking about, I think it's like the childbirthing and yes. the, the the religion that comes into it. And it was, mm-hmm. just, so it's like you, you're reading a romance novel, but you're just, but you're not, you know, you're getting so much out of it. Right. Um, because we have to make sure that it's, we're accurate. I mean, yeah, it, we can't, yes, we're writing fiction, but it's in a realistic world and you need to have your facts right. And how do you go about doing that with your research? I mean, is, does that take up just, crazy amount of time for you or um you know at the beginning it did but now that I've written so many books based in the 16th century mm-hmm. um I sort of know more about I do I know more about Scottish and English history than I ever would know about American history right right um and <laughs> and I've learned things just from different books you know how and actually you know I try to find people too that can help me with some of this I um w- we went to Scotland last year I I try to do some research trips where I can go and, you know, look at 16th century castles and get to touch the stones. And mm-hmm. we met a person who raised the Highland Coos. So I was able to actually brush them and, and hang out with them and, and things like that to, to see how to write them into the fourth of my Sons of Sinclair book, Ida, um, I think um, Ilsa and Iona are real cows um, that I put into my book. And then, you know, so I, I tried to, and I have a friend from high school, I found out she's a midwife. So I was able to interview her and find out things about midwifery that they yeah. would have done back then and, and, you know, best practices and misconceptions. So I could work things like that in there. So I try to I try to use the people that that I can, you know, there are so many experts out there who are willing to and excited to help you out. And I would imagine with your science background as well, like you enjoy research, you enjoy that, that, that part of it. Yes. Yes, I do. And I, you know, they, t- authors talk all the time about falling down rabbit holes. Like you chase, yes. you chase something like just today I was trying to find out, um, the different onset of symptoms of different poisonous mushrooms um, for the book I'm writing right now. So I'm, you know, it's fun from a scientist's point of view too, to find out what, not that I would put all this in the book. I mean, you do a lot more, uh, you would know, you do a lot more research than you'll ever put into your book because that would bore people. (laughs) Right, right, right. Exactly. (laughs) But you need to sort of know it, you know? And um, so those are fun. Those are fun little, uh, little tangents to get off on as long as I can get my word count in for the day. <laughs> right. And what, what is your word count? If you don't mind me asking. Um, I shoot for 2000 words a day uh-huh. um, to sort of stay on track with my um, contracts. Yeah. Um, you know, and I usually try to do that five days a week and then a thousand words on each of the weekend days. So, okay. Yeah. So you write every day then? I try to, I don't, 
the weekends sometimes just, you know, I've got, there's a lot going on. I mean, even though one of my kids lives away, we still have, you know, lots going on with kids. Oh, yeah. No, there's always, there's always something. Life is always happening. Yeah. Well, let me see. So you are, are you done with book five of the Sons of Sinclair series right now, or are you working on it? I am done with okay. the book. In fact, I just got the ARC, um, the advanced reader copy, and it went out on NetGalley. And I'm so excited. I can't wait for the first person to read it. That's and, amazing. Um, it is very exciting to me. I love this series. I love um, the Sons of Sinclair. And this fifth book is about their sister. And yeah. it, originally, I wasn't writing that. It was supposed to be, it was a four book deal. But after listening to my readers say, what about Hannah? What about Hannah? She's been ignored her whole life. You can't just let her, you know, waste away. And so I went to the publisher with my agent and they agreed to do the fifth book because the other ones were doing so well. And so I'm very excited because I was able to not just make it about her, but bring in the brothers and all their wives from the previous books so that they all come together for this. Uh, you know, epic ending to the series. So I'm very excited about it. Does that, that seems like it would be difficult. I haven't had to do that yet in a series. And I'm a little scared of having to bring everyone into one book. It's almost like, how do you mingle all the personalities in one mm-hmm. book? So, but did you, you enjoy doing that? Well, um, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed doing it when I have lived with those characters through their books. If I had to start a series, like I'm just now starting a new series. And so the characters are all brand new. And so therefore you cannot confuse your readers with like 20 characters. Right. (laughs) Yep. Right. Um, But if I had, you know, a main character, a main, a heroine and a hero for a full book. um, And then, so then the readers usually read them in order and then they get caught up on their different personalities and who they are. However, for those who start with the fifth book, for some reason, um, you do need to give enough information to that so that they're not totally lost. And in that way, I try to make the characters different enough that you can really sort of picture them as different entities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because they are, they're not all just one type of person. Um, and so when you when you do that, when you set it up right in the other books, then it comes together nicely at the end. Doesn't you know? It, it it's it is a little tricky, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> because you have to balance that with not being too wordy. You know, not you know introducing all these you know vague characters. They have to really have a reason for being there. Mm-hmm. And how it's how did you go about learning that process? I mean, was it just sort of you just got into writing and you just learned as you went? Or did you like sort of have a mentor or things like that? Or or how did that come about? Well, my first series, which um, isn't out anymore, I've taken the rights back and I'm going to be re-releasing them under a pen name because they're paranormal historical romance. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And that series, they really are five, it's five books. And it's about sisters who are hidden in time by their mother to save them from these demons. And they each have one of their mother's magical powers and they have to come together at the end to save the world. So I had to figure out, so I collage, I'm a very visual writer. So for every book I do, I create a cut and paste. Like I really get out my Elmer's glue. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I cut and I paste together either these little blank books or poster, or recently I use manila folders because they fit nicely in my file after I'm done. But I, I collage them. So when I had to write that fifth book and bringing all the sisters together from all the different time periods and their heroes so they could fight this. De- I mean, I had to set up all of my collages all around me That's so that amazing. I could, you know, keep track of who acts like who, who looks like this, who has a scar there, who, you yep. know, you know, all of that. And it was, it was sort of a trial and error. And um, luckily, you know, I had a, I had a good editor. And so she made sure, hopefully I'm going back through them now, revising them, um, made sure that it all made sense. You know, right. so people seem to like it. Readers seem to like it. So I'm, but I am going to go back through before I put them out and make sure, cause they were my first books, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds super interesting. I love paranormal stuff. I don't read it enough. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, there are just so many good ones out there. It's yeah, so frustrating, but I did read, I did read the first book in the sons of Sinclair. And uh-huh. yeah, it was, it was fantastic. It was so great. Like I loved it. It was, <laughs> Thank you. It's exactly what I love. You know, it's that whole like, fre- or not friends to enemies, but you know, just enemies at first and, and yeah. falling in love. It's just, oh, it's just, it's just like a good hug. You know, yeah. you just love reading yeah. it. And, and I like the, um, well, I, I guess I can't tell the ending cause I don't want to give any spoilers there, but um, I like making nods to, you know, old movies and things like that too, about, um, I I think when the happiness is witnessed by like the clan and they all are supportive and this and that, it makes it even more, you know, more fulfilling. (laughs) Oh yes, definitely. Definitely. And, oh, and I went to Catholic school. So of course, like I'm reading and, and, you know, you have a lot of biblical references in there and it really like brought me back. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I, I, I loved that part. Just, yeah. It's an interesting time in history for them because it's before the it's before the Protestant Reformation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think no, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's the other series. I think this takes place in fifteen ninety two ninety something like that. So it's after the Protestant Reformation. But mm-hmm. okay. the, the the far up north Catholics, there's a lot of little pockets still of sort of quietly practicing Catholics. So trying to figure out like. Would someone actually pass the sign of the cross in front of them, or would they say, "Oh, Mother Mary, you know, uh, Saint, you know, talk about saints or anything like that"? You have to think about what, like, if it's an elderly person who was probably raised Catholic, but now they've been told they have to change. I mean, it changes how different characters will react and talk and behave, really. I yes, I hadn't even thought of that. Like, I love the fact that you just brought that up. That's yeah, that's super interesting. And, and also another thing I noticed in the book that I really appreciated is you do give sort of the Scottish dialect, but you don't drown us. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I, cause I love it. I, I love it and it's great, but I don't want anything that's going to hinder me from reading at a good pace, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And sometimes it could just be too much, but I thought it was just right. Like I really, good. I really good. Yeah. I kind of limit, I kind of limit that because I don't want my reader to get pulled out of exactly. the story. Yep. Um, and even like my first time I wrote, I think there's probably in captured heart, there's some like Duna and Ken for no, and even that's too much for me now. So I've sort of pulled back on that because I just, I really want the flow to happen. Exactly. 
Yeah. And I, um, I, I did, you know, cause I, I saw, it was really cool. You had like the index at the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. that being like this word means this. And I was like, Oh, that's just so brilliant. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'd ever seen that before or maybe I don't, I just didn't notice it before, but I thought that was a really nice touch. So oh, yeah, I started doing that somewhere along the way. I just thought there's just too many words here. I don't want to have to explain what they are within the text. Right. Um, even though you can kind of infer it, but I wanted to have something. And then in some of my other books, there's, you know, um, French words and things like that, that I also do that with. And now for book five in the series, I had to have uh, Norwegian words. <laughs> I Yes, I read. Yeah, that's right. I did because she, Hannah, her hero is is a Viking. Is that well, correct? Yeah, Vikings had died out. Well, died. Right. Out. Viking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were they were gone by like what nine hundreds, ten, you know, the thousand. Um, they assimilated into the other. Correct. Yeah. yeah, but but Eric Halverson is a descendant of Vikings. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and so he does. Does she go there, or does he meet her in Scotland? He comes over to Scotland with his three friends because they've been sent on a mission. To um, and this is all kind of fun because history really helped me out, man. It really backed <laughs> me up. Um, they came over um, to find the sons of Sinclair to find their weakness, their greatest weakness, okay. and their greatest weakness happens to be their love for their sister. Right. So he has come to get her. Okay. Um, so it's a it's an enemies to lovers book. Um, fantastic! fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I just love them. Yes, yes, and and it's fun because Hannah is older now, and she is almost thirty, which is like an old maid. Yeah, and back then, and um, but because her brothers are so powerful, nobody has ever wanted to get close to her because they were afraid that they would get you know slashed by their brother by one of right. her brothers right especially after what happened in the first book it was almost like a pride and prejudice situation where yeah sister, you remember like this yeah i can't even think of her name right now but yeah yes yeah and it, by the fourth book hannah does more in the fourth book with boss because she helped raise him when you know his mother died giving birth to him and um so she helped raise him and and they're very close and um so yeah, but poor thing, like nobody is even like brave enough to like flirt with her. No. Oh. <laughs> and she's beautiful and intelligent and stuff. And so she is pretty desperate. Like she really wants to meet someone. And this handsome Norwegian trader comes and man, he it's easy picking there. And then <laughs> until until she finds out that he's abducted her and she is a wildcat. At night, wait until she finds out that he's like. How, how does she find out that he like? How does that work? Well, um, <laughs> you're willing if you're okay. If that if that spoils, if that's I don't want to spoil was, anything. Okay, okay. You know. But um, but yeah, it becomes it's it's a lot of fun because she is not the little dormouse that he thought she might be. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. That's yeah. okay. Great. So we all have that. When is that coming out? Um, October twenty fourth. Okay, very soon then. Yes, yes, it is. Do you do anything special for book birthdays? Um, for my book release, um, I'll have lots of giveaways on my Facebook page, my website. I'll probably do a few um, other 
Facebook parties, things like that. Um, my publishing house does some some giveaways too, I think. Um, but uh, at, what publishing house is that? Uh, Entangled Publishing. Okay. So, um, but I'm not sure. I mean, I am excited that it should be at Walmart. It should be out in some of the stores. So I'll probably go around looking for it. But, um, but yeah, so I'm excited, but I haven't, I haven't figured out exactly what I'm going to do for the release, but it will be fun. That's super exciting that it would be at Walmart. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I love that when I can, it's supposed to be at some airport bookstores (gasps) and at Kroger, maybe grocery store. Yep. I don't know. A few of the, a few of the grocery stores and Barnes and Noble. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping it will get out there. (laughs) I, I did not grow up with Kroger. I, where I went to college, there were Kroger. So Kroger's is like a, it's like Southern, right? It's like, I think it is. Yeah. 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 But you're up in Maine now, right? Is that where you are? No. Um, I just, I got back, um, about, I don't know, three weeks ago. Um, Oh, so you just vacation. So, okay. I thought you lived in Maine, but you vacation there. Yes. Well, we have a house on the coast of Maine that my husband's grandfather, um, he was born and raised in the house right next door. So it's been, um, we inherited it. And so we spend like eight weeks up there in the summer. So it becomes a second residence during the summer. Mm -hmm. And okay, because I thought, I thought, I was like thinking, Gosh, you know, Maine reminds me so much of, of Scotland oh, and it's it sort of is. wildness, yeah. you know, it's just, and I'm like, what a perfect place for her to be because it's just mm-hmm. so remote in its it is. loveliness. And one time when I went to Scotland, we were all on the shore of, uh, what was that? Um, Loch, I don't know, Loch Awe maybe. Um, and we were sitting there on the, on the beach, we were walking with the kids on the beach. And I looked at my husband, I said, I feel like we're in Maine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It was the same type of gravelly, stony beach, and the trees almost looked similar. And um, I was like, it, it is very similar to parts of Maine. I mean, it's so beautiful up there. It's yeah, it's and and no one's there. Like it, you always feel like you're kind of alone. Yeah, and we're really high up. We're about an hour and a half north of Bar Harbor. So oh wow, you're almost Canada. <laughs> We are about an hour from Canada and, um, yeah, so there's, there's really like, there are no traffic lights in our town. There are, (laughs) there are more, more cars in my neighborhood here in North Carolina than there are in all of Jonesport, Maine. That's great. You know what? That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, it's good. I mean, especially when you have kids, it's so good to take them places like that. Just, uh, Mm -hmm. unwind. Not that they're not crying for their iPads and everything up there too. But I mean, Uh, well, my 16 year old is very animal oriented. So she goes up there and she actually visits with my old professors because that's where we went to school. And like last summer, my, our old professor, she taught her how to do taxidermy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And, and she liked it. She was like, all for it. Oh yeah. She's so into animals and collecting bones and, oh yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's thing. really cool. You're gonna have to stick that in one of your books because that's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> well, let me see. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I'm, I'm having a blast. I yeah. I hope you don't mind. No. Um, I but so you're writing. Your writing style. You you write in the morning. Do you write in the afternoon? What do you feel like it? Yeah. I um. 
I don't wake up super early. Um, I, you know, but I, I can't write after, I don't know. I can't write after five o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm more, I'm pretty productive at eight o'clock in the morning. So Uh between, I usually write from say eight or nine until, uh, noon or one, um, whatever it takes to get my 2000 words. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where I write fresh words, like raw first draft words. Yeah. Um, and then what I've been doing then is I have lunch and work out and shower. And then in the afternoon, I do my social media. And right now I'm editing those paranormal books to try yeah. to self-publish them in a couple of months. So um, so then I go back for that. But I, I really, I can't write, I can't... Um, I can't write in the evening. Like some people write at night really well. I I've tried and my brain just shuts down. <laughs> no, yeah, I can't. I can't do night. I yeah. can't do night. I the day's over. I I can't do yeah. it on the days over. You know, that's, right. That's um, but I also don't do well at four a.m. I know some authors who get up like at four or five and and can jump right into writing. And I need a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I'm one of those four a.m. people. <laughs> I mean, I wake. <laughs> I, I like to wake up. You know, because when the kids wake up, then they want your time. You right. know what I mean? Yes. And that, that can be a little, they are going back to school though in two days. So I'm psyched about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah, I try, I try to do in the morning, but um, you, I, I know you, you're you like to work out a lot. Is that pretty important to your writing process just to sort of clear your head? Yeah. And I mean, like if I work out a lot, well, I, I don't, if anyone sees me, they'll be like, oh, she doesn't really work out. Does she? Um, no. um, I do, I do like yoga and I do do some, I, everything I do when I work out is at home in my office, like with a video from uh, um, YouTube, you know? Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. It's not like I go and run to the gym. No, I don't have time <laughs> for that. I have about 40 minutes that I give myself to get sweaty and, and try to get my heart rate up. And, and so that I, and yoga is very important to me. Um, I want to remain strong and flexible and try to be as healthy as I can. Right. Right. And I, I guess that goes back to, um, I know you're an ad, you're, you talk about having cancer. You had ovarian cancer. Was it 11 years ago? Is that 12? A, I hit my 12 12 year. Mm-hmm. And I guess if you don't mind, just to talk a little bit about that, you you had some books under your belt at that point, correct? Before you got the diagnosis? Yes, I. Um, so I had, I think I had three, two or three books published, mm-hmm. and I know I had Kevin, my my agent, and um, and and she really won me over there um, because. I remember like I did, I went into surgery, not thinking I had ovarian cancer. They don't know until they actually take it out and look at it under a microscope. Yeah. So you go under not knowing. And uh, when you wake up and then you're told it's then, you know, the ball starts rolling. It's sort of like that, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, that big boulder that's rolling at. Yeah. um, and so she was really great though, because she called me within a few days. Cause I sent out an email letting people know it was cancer and I would have to start a really harsh regimen of chemo. Um, and, uh, she called me and she said, look, you know, I know you're going to make it. I know you're going to, you're going to beat this. I'm just going to keep selling your books. Um, and you write when you can write, but if you can't take 
you know, take a season, which I did. I ended up taking off like almost two years of not writing because um, all I could think about was surviving. And yes, yes. <clears throat> when you've got my kids were ages four, 10 and 12. You so, were young, correct? You were what, 40, you said? Yeah, I had just turned 40. So um yeah, and I only had about a 60 to 70% chance of living for five years. So, you know, that's that, you know, it's at least it's over half. Oh. <laughs> but it's a really um it's really tough when you've got a four-year-old who who wakes up crying in the night and you go to her and she says, mommy, who will you play with in heaven? If I'm not there with you. Oh God, Heather. <laughs> yeah, I can't. That's, that's, you know, awful. That's, um, well, let me tell you though. She asked me at like 3 AM, unfortunately. So I think I said, well, honey, I'll play with other dead people, I guess. Wait, at three, <laughs> you might as well just go. Yeah. <laughs> She, I said, so I went on to explain probably my grandmother and, you know, she liked to play cards. I'll play cards with her. And then that seemed to soothe her. (laughs) You know know what? The truth truth sort of does. It was emotionally the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And physically, of course, the hardest thing. And so, you know, when you can't, when you're not sure that you will have a happy ending, it's very hard to write a happy ending. Oh yeah. No, I, and all of your energy just had to go to your family at that point, you know, like that's yeah. getting better. I, yep. I just, um, and, and just to, for my own knowledge, I think ovarian cancer is the one that, that really gets women because they don't pick up on the signs. Right. So when they yeah. finally do get the signs, they're so far yeah, there's, the no test. there's no test for ovarian cancer. Um, a pap smear is cervical cancer. So you, okay. you, you can't, um, you can't get any, you know, uh, I don't know, biopsies or anything unless they open you up. So yeah, um, they have a, a cancer marker. It's a, it's a blood test. Um, but that can give you a, a, a false negative. Like you can be like, oh, okay, I'm fine. When it, it really doesn't show up until you're in the late stages as a as an indicator. Okay. So um, yeah, it is really hard, um, but there are some very whispered symptoms, and um, family history plays into it, and things like that. My mother had breast cancer, and they're linked. Um, okay. But Did you ever get the genetic marker? I mean, the what is that? The B, the B, the BRCA. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They tested me when I got the cancer and it was negative. So wow, I just don't think they knew or know all the different genes that are involved. So, um, so anyways, I do put my, the symptoms in the backs of all my books. Um, and I have had a few readers contact me and say, thank you. You know, um, I went to my doctor. I had one lady who said, thank you. I went to my doctor cause I had these symptoms and she didn't have ovarian, but she had um, peritoneum or peritoneal cancer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That so, must make you feel yeah. amazing. Yeah. It feels good to be able to um, use something that I love to do as in writing to be able to also, you know, educate women as much as I can. I'm also part of a a nationwide um, survivors teaching students program where we go into medical schools and talk with um, 
residents, um, young resident doctors about um, our stories. So they put a face to the disease mm-hmm. um, because a lot of times the, the symptoms like bloating, uh, abdominal pain, um, indigestion, things like that, it gets, it gets sort of, they send you to a gastro intent and yeah, right. And then your doctor. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the, um, so what we're trying to do is teach people that if you have an, you know, a few of these symptoms and they're not going away, especially if you have like a history of breast cancer in your family, or, you know, you had infertility issues or things like that, that there could be a chance they need to look further and do some ultrasounds. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, your your story is so interesting because you say you went to the doctor not even about this. No, nope. and I, yeah, and your doctor was so awesome that she's like, mm-hmm. "No, I want to look at this," and you're like, "Uh, no, it's okay." Well, she, she wouldn't do, leave. Yeah, like I went in because I thought I broke my hand playing soccer, and um, while she's looking at my wrist, I said, "Well, I've been bloated, and I have this pinchy pain on one side, and." Maybe I'm getting a bladder infection because it feels like pressure. And mm-hmm. she said, well, let me, you know, she started to push around on my stomach and she goes, you know what? Let me do a pelvic exam. And I'm like, for a broken hand, that seems a little excessive. Yeah. Um, and she didn't laugh. And she's like, you know, Heather, she's a nurse practitioner, my regular general practitioner. And I said, look, I was at my GYN five months ago for my annual and everything was fine. I had some spotting, but they said I was getting maybe perimenopausal symptoms and, mm-hmm. um, and it went away and, uh, she goes, no, let me do, I, I really don't want you to leave the room. Um, I want to do this. And so she did. And she's like, Heather, I can't get to the right side of your body. Um, there's something blocking me and we're going to get a transvaginal ultrasound tomorrow. So I did. And that's where they found a, um, a 12 centimeter sized mass that hadn't been there five months before. Wow. Um, so yeah, I told her, she called me actually when we found out it was cancer. Um, and she was like teary on the phone and she said, Heather, you don't know how close I was to letting you walk out of my door. Um, she said, I really thought that it wasn't going to be anything, you know, because you had just been there. And she says, you've changed the way I practice medicine now because I'm never going to let someone walk out of the door. Um, so that's what I tell the students when we go to talk to them. I'm like, we need you to be our heroes. We need you not to let us walk out of the door. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather you, yes, I would rather you take up my time, please, please do then, then. Yeah, no, that's because now my four year old's 16 and I'm and I am considered cured after 10 years. So, I mean, it doesn't mean it can't come back, it can, but after 10 years, there's a good, there's, I have a good chance that it won't. Yeah, congratulations, man. That's amazing. Gosh, that's amazing. I, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, this is a difficult segue, but how long did it take you? You said it took you two years then to get back to writing. How did that feel to get back to it? You know, well, first of all, I was writing through the whole time. I blogged Mm -hmm. about my experience, which, because my husband realized, he's like, you're not writing, you are driving me crazy because (laughs) you are just, and he says, you know, yes, you are grieving and you're fighting and all this and that, but if you would just try to write something down and get it all on paper, I think you would feel better. And he was right. 
And so I blogged through the whole thing, which was really great because last year I was able to take those blog posts and I wrote 12 posts for WebMD that they put up. Um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was really nice. I was able to use the experiences because it was hard to remember some of that um, because of all the chemicals. Um, Yeah. Chemo brain is real. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, But I was able to take that and hopefully help people with that, um, with that. So I was writing, I was trying to keep my, you know, the wheels turning, but I felt so guilty because I was writing the fourth book in that paranormal series. And I had left the heroine who was claustrophobic stuck in a sarcophagus. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that was on your mind. That's what you were on my mind, but she writer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So as soon as I started to feel a little, like I got through chemo and I started recovery and things like that, Um, I went back to it and it did feel like I was taking a deep breath along with my heroine um, as I let her out of that sarcophagus. It was sort of like. You were both trapped. I mean, you were both trapped. Yeah. You you both got out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. You left her in the sarcophagus. That's great. Mm -hmm. She was with the hero though. So it was okay. Okay, well, fine. Yeah, that's not, not the worst place to be with your hero. I'm right, sure. Right. <laughs> well, Heather, I think I think I I mean, is there anything I'm missing? Is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean, this is I've had such a great time getting to yeah. know. Yeah. Um, no. Um, just September is Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month, so um, teal is our color. So if anyone wants to wear, they try to say teal Tuesdays to sort of, you know, get the awareness out. But if anyone ever, uh, I'm an open book when it comes to that, or, you know, I I love to talk to readers. I'm not a medical professional. I must say that my lawyer, Mm -hmm. I don't have a lawyer, Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) says I must say that. Reward. Yeah. yeah. But if anyone ever wanted to shoot me an email or have a question or anything about, you know, my writing or about ovarian cancer, what I went through, I'm, I'm very much open to all that. Um, like I said, I love talking to readers and um, and meeting them at conferences and such. Well, well, thank you, thank you so so much. And and what do we know? What your new series then is going to be after the Sons of Sinclair's that you said you were starting? Yes, it's called the Brotherhood of Solway Moss. And Solway Moss was a big battle in King Henry the time King Henry's the time period, and a lot of Scotsmen were taken hostage and um, they were, some of them were able to trade their son or the second son for the chief. And so my heroes are four people that were not captured, but they were traded and they ended up having to depend upon each other to get out of England and back to the Isle of Skye. So even though their clans all feud on the Isle of Skye, these four men formed a brotherhood while imprisoned together. And they're trying to bring peace to the Isle of Skye where their families are still feuding. Um, so that's sort of just the basis of it. That is very cool. Very cool idea. Awesome. Well, Heather, thank you again. This was yeah. wonderful. Yeah, and, sure, um, Margo. Everyone, this, this has been fun. Oh, yeah. Everyone needs to look forward to book five coming up of the Sons of Sinclair series. And um, yeah, I can't. Can't thank you enough. 
Sure thing. I love being here and good luck with your podcast. This is, I think, a really great thing um, for readers to get to know the authors more, maybe on a more personal basis. I think that's a good idea. Thank you. That was my interview with Heather McCollum. The work she's doing both on the page and off is pretty inspiring, and I'm so glad I got the opportunity to speak with her. If you like this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Also, to stay up to date with Romancing the Tome and get all the behind-the-scenes content, as well as learn about upcoming guests, you can follow me on Facebook or sign up for my newsletter on my website, margothorne.com. Thank you so much for spending your time with me, and I will see you next episode.